0: Thank you for joining us for today's Shaver Cancer Charity Chat. I'm Roseanne Giovannato Shaver, and I'm the Executive Director of the Randy Shaver Cancer Research and Community Fund. And with me each week is my colleague and Assistant Executive Director of our charity, Heather Austin. For those of you that have listened to our first two podcasts, thank you for listening. Uh, The first two podcasts talked about, number one, the beginning of how Carol Evans' Randy Shaver was diagnosed with cancer, and then the evolution of that cancer diagnosis into becoming a charity that supports Minnesota's cancer community. And then number two, the Golf and Community Fund's largest fundraiser, which is the Randy Shaver Cancer Research and Community Fund's, Randy Shaver's Celebrity Golf Classic, among others. And we also get to um, do these things along the way. On our podcast journey, we get to talk about some of our wonderful sponsors. And as we uh, go along, we're going to talk more about some of the research projects that we funded along the way. But today's podcast is focused on how did the diagnosis of cancer impact our family? And um, for those of you listening that don't know, um, I'll let you know that my husband and I were diagnosed with cancer 11 months apart. And I was diagnosed with uh, stage 2 melanoma. My husband was diagnosed with stage 4 Hodgkin's disease, and then subsequently diagnosed with stage 3 prostate cancer 20 years later. Um, Our kids at that time were in third grade and kindergarten. Uh, They are here with us today. I think that we more often than not focus on the individual that's diagnosed with cancer, and we send prayers, and we check in on them, and we send social media well wishes, But particularly in the case of an adult with cancer, we often overlook the caregiver's spouses and their loved ones. And most importantly, we overlook the children of adults that are diagnosed with cancer. Um, We have two today super important people in my life. Um, they will share a little bit of their insight with us today, and I, and I think it's it's really worthy of of those of you that have had adults in your family that have had children, um, the adults uh, that have been diagnosed with cancer t- to see what what are kids what are kids thinking you know what are their thought what's their thought process along the way. Um, both of my kids were directly impacted by the diagnosis of us uh, back in 97 and 98 and then again 2018. Uh, Today, instead of being eight and five years old, respectively, they are 32 and 29 years old, respectively. Um, Our oldest son, Ryan, is with us today and our youngest son, Rob. Thank you both, uh, my babies, for being with us today and for taking the time to share your input on what it's like to be a young person hearing that your mom and dad have cancer. this is super personal to me, uh, being that you're both my my kids. So, I may chime in a bit, and I will certainly chime in at the end, but and and give you my thoughts. But uh, maybe more than a bit, because <laughs> you know I'm your mother. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to ask Heather to uh, take the lead in asking you guys questions, so I don't get emotional and mushy. Heather, you want to take over? Sure. Oh, you will no doubt get emotional. I then. will no Even doubt Even if she's not talking, it will happen. <laughs> think, and uh, that is my oldest son yeah. talking. <laughs> I think
1: there's probably a good chance that we do too. I mean, this is not something that I talk about very frequently um, for a reason. It's hard. And so, um, yeah.
2: All right. Well.
3: Thanks for having us, Mom. Yeah,
2: yeah thank you guys for being here. I know sure. it's a Saturday and we're. You Know it's raining and crappy, but we yeah, appreciate you guys being here.
1: 32 now, gosh,
2: yes. you're getting old. <laughs> to
0: and he's gonna be a daddy. Oh, yeah, be, he's gonna, gonna be, be a, a girl,
2: daddy. girl dad. It's yeah. gonna be great. And the exciting. other one's
0: gonna be a doctor. I know, man, you guys are all
1: grown up. Well, the other one's getting married. I know, like <gasps> weeks <gasps> from now. That's oh, yeah. a pretty big thing. Well, that
0: is a big yeah. thing. My yeah. gosh, what
2: happened? We got babies and weddings and dog Craziness. Well. Again, like your mom said, thanks for being here. Um, I know that this can get a little emotional, so if you guys need to take a break at any time, just let me know, and we'll just kind of go from there, Okay, Ryan, I'm going to start with you, since you're the oldest baby. And you probably remember the most. Tell me, as an 8-year-old, do you remember being told that your dad had cancer? And if you do, what do you remember about that day?
1: Well, I remember we were supposed to go to Yellowstone. Uh, We had a family vacation that we had been looking forward to for a really long time. And I was going to get picked up early from school that day. And um, I remember it was right around recess time we were supposed to be getting picked up. And a teacher walked over to me and and told me that I was no longer getting picked up early. um, And we'd have more details later. Instantly as a kid, I knew something was wrong. You know, Um, I had been looking forward to this trip forever. And then all of a sudden it kind of... I just like had this feeling in the back of my mind that, okay, something's off. Like this had been planted on the books for a while. And as a kid, you just kind of have this like intuition when Mm -hmm. stuff's not going the way it's supposed to go. Um, And so yeah, I remember when we did finally get home, um, you guys were really honest with it. I mean, you didn't try to sugarcoat anything. Um, You said that we were no longer going on our trip um, because dad was sick and um we were a little adjusted to it because you had just been diagnosed with cancer like you said 11 months before and so like i understood what the c word meant i knew that it wasn't good i was sad that we weren't going on the vacation obviously um but i didn't understand at that time how serious it was Mm -hmm. you know i just knew okay we're not going on this trip dad's sick He's strong. He's going to get better. And as an 8-year-old, that's kind of how you process it at first. You're mm-hmm. just, like, sad. Oh, gosh, I, I'm i bummed that dad is sick. But I don't think you realize, like, how scary and um, devastating cancer can actually be.
2: So do you remember feeling afraid or vulnerable? Can you talk a little bit about the emotions that you were feeling at that time?
1: Again, as a kid... I didn't really, like, realize how bad it was or, like, I didn't really start feeling vulnerable and scared until so I learned more. And I learned more through, like, late-night conversations with mom. Um, she would come into my room, and we would just have really, really honest talks. And um, that's when I realized it was a lot worse than I initially thought because my dad was my hero. He's my mm-hmm. everything. And so when they told me he was sick— My initial gut... I'm the same way now. It's like, oh, he's going to be okay. Like, he's going to be fine. But as we went through the process more and more, that's when I started to really understand the whole gravity of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's when all the fear and all the anxiety um, started to come in. And when people would drop food off at our door for dinners and I would start to see Dad looking weaker and weaker, um, that's when all the, the fear came in. But initially, I someone who always kind of focuses on the positive even as an eight-year-old mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. i was reframing in my mind like he's sick but he's gonna be okay i saw mom you know in her melanoma like nothing changed right right like physically she, she, didn't, she yeah. didn't look different nothing and she got better you know they cut off the mole we we're good to go right and so that's kind of my that was my initial reaction to cancer was like it's good my mom went through it she's good and I, I felt the same thing was going to be like that with dad And then as I saw him start to lose his hair, never lost all of it, but start to to thin. And he would, you know, kind of be up in his room away from all of us, too weak to come down and play. That's when it got scary.
2: So everything changes, obviously, when you hear that cancer has hit your family. How about your daily routine? How did that change for you and your brother?
1: Oh, man, that's a tough question. I don't... I just rem, I don't remember like how my routine Mm -hmm. changed, but I remember just the way people reacted around me changed, and um, all of the parents of the kids I was going to school with would always ask how my dad was doing, Mm -hmm. and it was always really heavy. Yeah, you know, because like I didn't want to talk about it. I wanted to just be a normal kid, and the other families and the other parents, like they wanted to be there for me and they wanted to like check in. But like nobody knows how to do it the right way. Right. And everybody is different. And so for me it felt like I just felt uneasy and uncomfortable in those conversations. And I remember just always appreciating how my friends never asked me stuff. Right. Like they just like treated, Just want to be normal. They just treated me as you a kid. Be normal, yeah. so you be normal. Know, I just I would play basketball. We'd we 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 you know, hang out after school at kids' houses, recess, whatever, and I would just be a kid with them. It wasn't you know, your dad's sick and they weren't, they weren't treating me differently. Everything was exactly the same with my friends, but yeah. it was the, the families and the parents and people I didn't know that would come up and ask. And it, it was kind of like a scab. It just constantly reopened things and made it all feel real uh, and scary all the time.
2: I know that your mom told you that your dad was too sick to coach your soccer team how that's kind of part of the routine. Your your dad's a big sports guy. He's your coach. He's your mentor. He's your hero. How did that make you feel when he couldn't be on the field with you?
0: Yeah. Uh, devastated. You know, cause. Well, and even more devastated because your mother took over, right? Oh, and boy, you
2: gave her a whistle?
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was the first and only time she coached any of our sports teams, mine or Don't Rob's. Don't
2: give Mama Rosanna a whistle. And there, and there is
1: a reason that is the one and only time she ever coached any sports team. No business being out there, my mom. No Ma- business.
0: Max Carlson, he literally, one of the kids on the team literally told me, Mrs. Schaefer, you don't know what you're talking about. No. just, just brutal. I mean,
1: God bless her. She tried super hard, um, but no soccer knowledge. Um,
2: God bless her for trying. though, She right? tried.
1: Yeah. No, it was that was hard. I mean, those are throughout my whole life. Those moments playing sports and having my dad coach me are kind of the most intimate, personal. Um, memories that I have. And when I look back on my childhood, a lot of it is conversations in the car before games, after games with my dad, you know, him on the sideline coaching me. And so to not have him there was was devastating.
2: Is there one event during the time that your dad had cancer that stands out to you and that you remember really vividly?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say it's one event. I would say the thing that stands out very vividly are the conversations I had with my mom Um, late at night She'd come lay down um, in the bed with me, and I remember just telling her that I was gonna be the man of the house, oh. and um, you know I was trying to be her rock, and I appreciated how honest she was with me in those moments, and that is when I started to understand the gravity of everything we were going through, and it was heavy. There was a lot of tears shed, but I I grew up really fast
2: yeah, because to, of this.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, those conversations that I had really kind of shaped me as a man, you know. It made me stronger. Um, they were hard. I mom's crying over here <laughs> for, well, for good reason. I, I, I mean, I can't. what little
0: third grader says to you, I mean, he he yeah. literally brought me in his bedroom. And he said in his third grade little voice, um, Ma, I want you to tell me the truth. Is dad going to die? Yeah. And I said, honey, I don't know. I don't think so. I think he's really strong. I think he's going to be okay. And he said, I think he was worried that I would remarry or whatever. Mm. And I said, no, don't don't worry about anything. It's just going to be you and me and Robbie. If anything happens, it's going to be okay. It's just us. And he said, okay, then I'll be the man of the house. Oh, your little eight-year-old self. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, he meant it, Heather. Know, like, he sure meant he it with every bit of his little heart, you know we met
1: yeah i just i just remember wanting to know and just really be honest with me And we'll be prepared i wanted to know yeah i i understood because uh, i was seeing it physically happen in front of me and i just i really wanted everybody to be honest with me but yeah, definitely grew up really, really, really fast. Can
2: only I, I remember
1: I was a really like uh, great student the year before, and then fourth grade my grades were like awful.
2: Well, you and had a little she, bit of stuff yeah, going and on in mom your world. Yeah, my mom got
1: so mad at me th- on my report card. She like I had a friend over, Andy Burns, and the report card came, and she just chewed me out for my bad grades, and I wanted to be like, Mom, really. Like, we got a lot of stuff going on at home right now. Like, I'm not completely focused at school. That but that was the no standard excuse. never changed, no. you know.
0: <laughs> well, no matter
1: what was going on, mom, mom was being mom. That's so. about
2: routine, right? Yeah, it doesn't right. change because yeah. someone gets sick. You still have to be a kid and you still have to go to school. and.
1: No sympathy from mom in terms no, of my No, She's grades. a tough
2: Italian no. from Cleveland. <laughs> I mean, right? Yeah. So you, know. you have a little brother. Yes. Rob is three years younger than you. I know you felt responsible for being the man of the house to help your mom, but did you feel more responsible for your baby brother or a change in your responsibilities as a big brother at that time?
1: Mm, I wouldn't say it it changed at all. I wanted to protect him from everything. I didn't want Rob to understand exactly what was going on. I think I intentionally – we didn't have tough conversations like that. Um, Well, he was five. Yeah, I didn't want to like go up to Rob and be like, hey, you know, there's a chance dad's going to die. I wanted to intentionally kinda of, like leave him in the dark and and protect him and let him
2: be um, a kid. Yeah, yeah. Kind of
1: keep him away from all of that. Um but yeah, no, I I always tried to look out for Rob. Sometimes I was a, a crappy older brother and I do the things crappy older brothers do, like
2: I was a crappy beat, older sister. Yeah, you can ask my you brother. Know, <laughs> beat beat him up and
1: all those kinds of dumb things big brothers do. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day I think Rob would say that I always had his back and always looked up to him and so I guess in this sense I had his back by nothing like not changing the way that I was before you know I wasn't more honest with him I wasn't I was just it was the same routine right like just kids being kids we'd play Uh, I would handle the questions when parents would come up and kind of keep them away from all of that and so I I think that was my way of being there to protect him was to kind of just keep him out of the loop as much as possible yeah all
2: right so now let's ask your little brother how he felt I know I know we talked about this the other day you were only five and there's not a lot of stuff that you remember and I know you're really close to your mom do you remember her cancer diagnosis before your dad's
3: I you know I I, this whole time it was uh I was really young so I remember just like emotions and kind of just like a shift and kind of like you know, how I was at that time. I think there, I was, there was more anxiety or fear or that kind of thing. I think you, you're, you're that young, but you do pick up on like people delivering food to Mm -hmm. the house and you do pick up on, you know, uh, you know, certainly for dad's diagnosis, you know, him losing hair and physically appearing weaker. And, you know, dad is on television, you know, and Mm -hmm. so actually watching him on television with, you know, visibly being weaker and well, he was losing so it, losing about his everything. hair and, yeah. and you know that kind of thing. So, certainly that stuff sticks out and and um, had a huge impact. Um, and, and for mom's diagnosis, you know, I uh, I know mom has kind of said the story and she said that I'm in the I was in the room kind of when she received the diagnosis. Um, I don't remember that specific experience, but I, I do remember being somebody who kind of. Moving forward, I, I was like her shadow. Like I never really left her side. I was Protect always, her. yeah. I was always following her around, and I, I, I would, I would, uh, you know, I would believe that 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 time was kind of that that pivot point where I kind of became more attached to her because I was there, there was fear, you know. There's right. those types of emotions, you know. So, yeah.
2: Did you ever confide in Ryan or any friends about your dad's cancer?
3: You know, yeah. It's I think. There was a uh, there was all those emotions that I was that I was feeling, but I I think on the on the day to day, I I felt like a normal kid. I you know I felt like everybody around me was really kind of protecting me from the reality of right. the situation. So I don't think that I ever I never really had those tough conversations. You know I, I wasn't you know I didn't have conversations with my mom in in the in a room alone or anything like that about the severity of everything because I think that everybody wanted me to um, kind of. Experience as little of that as possible, and, and be you know. You were, fi- you were five. Yeah, I was so young. There's you a big difference so between eight yeah, to five,
0: and six and kindergarten. Exactly.
1: a yeah. you know you, you're, where you're at mentally from right. eight to five. Well, you're is so, a you're big reading, right. right, and you're writing letters. Sure. Well,
0: and I will say this: I uh, Rob was in my arms when I was received the diagnosis, and he looked at me at five. I'll never forget this. There's one song I can't even listen to on the radio because it was on the radio when I when I drove that day. Um, and he looked at me and he said, are you going to die? Mm. And I said, no, I'm not going to die. But I was bawling. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you the person that Robbie was that day is was not the person that he was the day before. Well, I
2: think there, as a yeah. five-year-old, I think you have so much intuition. Whether you know what you're feeling or not, I think that your intuition kicks in and you feel every feeling around you and you kind of absorb it. But you don't know how to... Get it out, or how to react. So I think maybe you took that from your mom and said, "I, I feel, I feel your pain. I'm, I'm still me, but you're feeling so much emotion. You just don't know how to express it. Right when you're five,
3: is that yeah. accurate? Yeah. I mean, I think that in general, kids, kind of from a psychological perspective, mm-hmm. are going to uh, absorb things, and it becomes more of a subconscious part of them um, that they carry forward. That Maybe they can't access the specific memories, but, you know, it does shape people, you know, Mm -hmm. their childhood shapes them, you know, and certainly that experience was a really uh, formative, you know, part of my life, you know, so.
2: Well, I ask you these questions, Rob, because for those of you who don't know, Rob is two weeks away from becoming a full-fledged doctor. So congratulations on that. I know you have a lot going on in your world right now. Oh, thank you. Yeah,
3: appreciate it. <laughs> but
2: that's very exciting. Um, we did a little research and found an article in a publication called Anti-Cancer Research. This is actually a great segue from what you just discussed mm-hmm. by B'nai Shah, Jeffrey, Emily, and Aaron Sweeter that suggests that children can really benefit from counseling when a parent is diagnosed with cancer, which we know obviously now, but... As an eight-year-old and a five-year-old, and as a mom who's newly diagnosed, a dad who's newly diagnosed, everything is kind of upside down, right? During their research, they noticed that children often exhibit poor social and emotional development and have adjustment disorders and sometimes even depression. They state that a daily routine is really important to kids, and when that routine is disrupted, kids recognize the instability. So, as a physician, looking back at yourself as a little guy... Do you think that counseling would have benefited you at that time?
3: That's an interesting question. Um, yeah, I mean, I, that study makes sense that children, they might not pick up on specific details or, or like the scope of what's being kind of put forth, like the, like just the word cancer in general. They might understand the scope of that. But a disruption in their schedule certainly would be something that they pick up on. Um, and, and instability is something that certainly is uh, is not something that you want for developing children because, oh, yeah. you know, that, that does lead to all sorts of comorbid psychological disorders in the future, you know, mm-hmm. things like mood disturbances, you know, anxiety, depression, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think counseling, it, it, I was so young that I, I'm not sure, you know, how that would have, uh, you know, aided, yeah, what that would have looked like, you know, I'm, I'm not personally super familiar with like a child, uh, a child psychologist Mm -hmm. and what they would do. Um, but I mean, I am a huge proponent in general for, for therapy, for, for counseling. Um, I think when it comes to, you know, the first line treatment for, for anxiety, depression, and some of these mood disorders, uh, you know, counseling goes hand in hand with something like a medication. I mean, they're both equally important. Right. Um, and I, and I think that it certainly yeah I mean it would it, I I can see that making a huge a huge difference in it and being a benefit um so
2: so you would as an adult you would recommend that to parents with cancer as a consideration for the kids based on your experiences
3: Certainly as a consideration sure absolutely yeah
2: I know your mom really feels that your grandmother staying with you guys when your dad had cancer really helped in kind of keeping the daily routine kind of some stability with you kids and it was really important and kind of helped you feel more safe. Do you remember that? She was there to support your mom, certainly. But for you guys, Rob, I'll start with you. How did that, um, do you remember that? And what are your thoughts on grandma being there?
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, my mom's mom Mm -hmm. was was there quite a bit. And I I certainly remember that. I mean, she was such an integral part of the family and she lived really close. um, And she was always there. I mean, she if no one was there she was there you know and she was uh, always there to kind of engage us with uh, you know uh, the normal routine with like, having meals prepared uh, playing with us you know keeping us engaged in that way um, and, and so it really always felt like there was a guardian there somebody there to, to look over us and, and, and be there
1: and just provide p- some much needed discipline and discipline yeah <laughs> well because she would have laid is, down that well block. this is an honest thing I think when when a kid is eight and realizes that a parent might die, you start acting out. like my my whole behavior changed. Like I was a really sweet innocent kid,
0: yes, you prior
1: were. to the diagnosis of. That's
0: interesting that you would say that mm. I
1: changed completely. I started acting out and kind of rebelling a little bit, because um, I was angry. I was mad. I was scared. I was sad. Uh, you know, and I guess that's the way I uh, processed those feelings of anger was to lash out and. you know it helped me as an athlete like i changed as a person and like that anger and that rage it like fueled me to become a really good athlete and i was uh, much more aggressive on the the court and on the field um but like i also had a lot of aggression and stuff off of the field outside of sports and i probably took that out on rob maybe like beating him up a little bit too much smiling like yeah maybe a little kid but you know and i would i would run around the house and i remember nana would always be there to kind of calm me down Put me in my place. The wooden spoon. Yeah. Threaten <laughs> to hit me with the spoon.
0: <laughs> Which but, I still threaten. Yeah, you yeah. still do. Wow. My mom does too. I get hit by the spoon <laughs> at least once every
1: family holiday get together. I still get hit by the spoon. So
0: everyone now knows that I believe in corporal punishment. Oh, so, yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, but, yeah, I needed that. And Nana was always a straight shooter with me. Um, and so I'm glad that she was there because it could have been, been a lot worse if I didn't have that discipline and that, and that structure uh, to kind of keep me grounded.
2: Ryan, regarding the counseling and having family around to keep the kids grounded, how do you think that would have? Do you think that would have helped to have counseling as At an age, eight-year-old?
0: Do you think it would have helped, Ryan?
1: I'm <clears throat> not sure. It's tough to say. I think counseling is always a great thing. Counseling has changed my life as an adult, mm-hmm. and I, so I can only imagine how great it would be as a, a kid. And so um i think people's perceptions of counseling have changed a lot like their feelings toward like wanting to talk about things and like get help there's a stigma especially with like boys and any kind of mental yeah like it's not cool to talk about that stuff Mm -hmm. but i mean i can tell you it took me 32 years to finally want to talk to somebody about some of my issues and some of the things that we're talking about right now and how they've like changed my life and and how they changed me and um It's always a good thing to talk about those things and work through them and process them.
2: Yeah. Ryan, we talked about how you felt when you were little, finding out about your dad. But as an adult, he was diagnosed again in 2018 with stage 3 prostate cancer. Did the floodgates kind of open up again? And were those same emotions kind of stirred up? How did this diagnosis, how was this different from the first time being an adult?
1: Yeah. I just remembered, like, I gave a speech at the gala um, just like a year before because it was dad's 20th anniversary of beating cancer. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, my gosh, it's Asia Vu all over again. We're going through this. Um, Yeah. And so I think it did bring up a lot of fears and concerns. Um, The one thing cancer does, though, is it tends to bring people closer. Mm -hmm. It kind of makes you pause and reassess all the things going on in your life. I think that happened after Dad got better the first time. He was around a lot more, um, and it brought us a lot closer as a family, and I think it did it the second time. Two, um, as adults, it brought us closer as a family, I think, again, and – it also, because of the prostate cancer and some of the treatments and stuff, it made dad a lot mellower and a lot softer. <laughs> um, it, maybe. Yeah. He, yeah. he kind of, his personality kind of changed. and I really, emotional. He was emotional. And I appreciated the soft teddy bear side of dad. And he's kind of kept some of that, um, since then. And so, um, yeah, cancer is never a good thing, but there sometimes are some good things that come out of the experience. And so Silver I think, linings. I think it, it caused me to pause a little bit in my life, um, Want to spend more time with him, um, and just appreciate him,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, because life is so short, and you never know what can happen.
2: He's Iron Man. He's he,
1: good. oh gosh, he's gonna outlive all of us, that's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it causes you to um, just re- reprioritize mm-hmm. things. So it's not a bad thing. No, it's not. It's not. But yeah, it, it made me feel scared and sad. I was just gonna I'm about to get married. And so I started thinking, is he going to be okay? Is he going to be able to fly to Jamaica for my wedding? Like, how is he going to be there? And just a lot of stuff came up, you know. And then it starts, you start bringing back these, like, old memories that you've, like, not, not yeah, not dealt with for a long time. Like, I remember when I was eight and dad was really sick. We did a whole anointing of the sick at church. And that really hits you as an eight-year-old mm-hmm. when you're doing this, like, sacrament in front of the whole parish and the sacrament is literally to save somebody's life like he is so sick that we are doing this like drastic thing in and it front of it wasn't for
2: anybody else it was for your just dad just for him right. yeah
1: that's a that's a pretty tough thing to like process as a kid and that's like stuck with me for a long time and mom was very she leaned a lot on religion during that time and i remember like being in the blessed sacrament with her and she'd pray the rosary and so a lot of those things that like i hadn't thought about for like 20 plus years i started coming Blood up and back. yeah exactly
2: So, Rob, Mm -hmm. I want to get back to you. How have your parents' diagnoses of cancer affected your career choice and why?
3: Well, I think it played a huge role in my career choice. I, you know, as we discussed, I was very young when that initial, those two diagnoses, my my, my mom and dad kind of came about, but kind of like we discussed, you know, I think that played a huge role in kind of that subconscious desire of mine to want to help others. You know, I wanted, I think there was a shift in, you know, like I said, I was always by my mom. I felt like I needed to help her. I felt like I needed to be that little, that little helper, you know? Um, and, uh, and, and, and I think that really carried through. And I also had a lot of interactions with physicians, you know, we were in and out of, uh, hospitals. Uh, we were, you know, I, I, you know witness dr bowers who was Mm -hmm. was my my dad's uh and my my mom's oncologist uh you know work with them and and just the amazing uh rapport that she had with them how safe you know i felt kind of in that office you know even just hearing her discuss things with them um i mean it played a huge role so i always regarded physicians as you know heroes in that regard obviously that's a, a nuanced definition it's you know as you get older you realize like the the limitations um of what you know, physicians can can accomplish, but you know they they did so much for for my family, right. and so I think that uh, there was a, just a huge reverence that I had. Um, and then specifically, you know, I ended up going into into dermatology is what I just matched into for residency, and um, I think I think of all those times I was in and out of derma- uh, you know, the dermatology office mm-hmm. with my mom because you know you know she had that diagnosis of melanoma, but she's had people may not know there's just so many you know, moles removed,
0: 110 110 110 moles
3: removed, uh, in her life subsequently. So that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. You know, she's really been under the microscope or the dermatoscope. I mean, that's a little joke. <laughs> a little doctor
2: Nobody joke. else. No is one's going to get that. It's okay. Unless the a, there's a doctor. There's <laughs> doctors <laughs> that will there listen There may
3: be that. one person who gets that joke. We do have well, to understand <laughs> it. I got
1: the dad jokes. You get the doctor
3: jokes. <laughs> <laughs> uh But, you know, and so, uh, and, and that, the, those interactions really inspired me, too, because I think, you know, skin cancer prevention is something that's really important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have such a such an interest in that, uh, um, and and I think that all stemmed from that past, so.
2: Ryan, I'll turn it over to you. Do you think that your career choice and decision making along the way had any? Imp- did the pan- cancer diagnosis have any impact? I
1: always wanted to be my dad. It well, you had, were. Oh gosh, I. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> you, I your dad. Yeah, you look just well, like him. I, I wanted. I remember being a kid, and he'd bring me to the office back when they had typewriters. Yep. and I would literally. Type like I was typing a script like my dad was doing. I would just mimic him, and he is a finger chicken pecker. That's how he types. He really does. And now I, I I am a chicken pecker because of him. Are you really? Because I watched him. You do two fingers. No, I'm the one. You do one finger. Oh, people at work they give me so much crap. They watch me, and I'm so fast at it. They're like, how do you do that? I, was like, I would be so frustrated. I was pretending I to be you. my dad in the sports office back oh. when he had a typewriter, and I have never changed my habit since then. And so, no, I always wanted to, to follow uh, in his footsteps. And obviously, you know, I had a really great career in the TV industry, and I got to cover a lot of great things. I got to anchor the prep sports show with my dad on Friday nights. So cool. Which was a, a memory I'll always hold near and dear. And probably the highlight of my career was those Friday nights working with him. Uh, so cool. Um, and it's led me to what I'm doing now, uh, doing digital and social media marketing, um, and I love it, and I'm really passionate about it. And so, no, I don't think the cancer diagnosis changed anything for me because I always wanted to be him, Aww. period. That's really so, sweet. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, Gosh, wait, wait. Nobody yeah. wanted to be me? Oh, look at that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Good, solid two seconds of Crick silence. I will say this. I have a lot more <laughs> of mom's personality than I do dad's personality. Yeah, I might that. look like dad. I might have wanted to be like him. But when it comes to, like, who I actually am more like, it's definitely mom. 100%. Isn't that I, I agree
0: with that. Nobody wants to be me, though, Hev, You
3: hear that? Oh, I'm very happy that I have your characteristics mm-hmm. i think we just know that we can't be you mom because you're just one of a kind you know? oh, what oh. <laughs> that, was, that was the right answer yeah.
2: you, that <laughs> was about so an yeah right, right. Yeah. so you guys have watched this charity grow and you've watched your mom run it with all of her different counterparts what does this charity mean to you to have your mom and dad really involved in trying to make a difference in minnesota's cancer community what what does this mean to you guys rob you want to start
1: I I can just say it's um, it's so amazing to watch someone who is passionate about something live their passion like my mom does. I mean, she her passion is helping people and she found what she was meant to do on this earth through this charity. You know, she it's. I idolize her and look up to her so much because of all the good that she puts out in the world and the hustle that it takes to do it. Oh, yeah. You know, and everybody who has come across her in this space mm-hmm. knows exactly what I'm talking about when I say the hustle. Oh, yeah. That, that's what it's all about. She is... Uh,
2: Grassroots, she, baby. Yeah.
1: She has <laughs> built this thing from nothing mm-hmm. into this million-dollar-a-year force for good, and that is is amazing. And I will be honest... Dad doesn't do as much as she probably should <laughs> with the charity. <laughs> it is He's mom. The namesake. It's, it's mom's baby, you know. Yeah, agreed. Dad, uh, he he does his part, but it really is mom. And so when I think about the charity, I just think about her because this is her baby. It's her legacy, and I couldn't be more proud of it.
3: Aww,
2: Robbie, you had Rob? some two cents in there,
3: you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, when I, you know, if if you were to ask me who my you know my biggest role models are, it would I would say my mom and dad. And it's and it's because of the charity, you know, and and the way I've seen them interact with adversity, that I would say that it's the fact that they were able to take those diagnoses that they had of of cancer, and spin it around and then turn it into a, a, a charity that does such amazing work for the community for the uh, for cancer research for all of those things and really give back in such a meaningful way. I mean, that's that's such. An aspiration, it's such a, such a thing to look up to and to aspire to be, um, you know, to be able to to give back to your community in that way and to 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 face challenges uh, um, with such poise, you know, to to be able to do that.
2: Well, I think I'll end things here, but I just wanted to say how much I appreciate you guys being here. I know that it was emotional, and I thank you for sharing that. I know it's not fun to talk about um, the past and some really heavy memories, but that was. I hope that people can listen to this and and learn something and just kind of appreciate that they're not alone.
1: Yeah, I think if you're a a parent and you have kids that are going through this, just keep them close. Be honest with them. Keep them close. Keep it fun when you can. Um, Those are the biggest things. You just got to feel loved when you're a kid, and I always felt really loved. And uh, if you change things too much and you don't have that support and that love, I think as a kid it could be absolutely devastating. We're lucky because our dad got better. Your mom got better and for some kids that's not the reality and so i feel really blessed that things worked out the way they did um but it's it's tough
2: well that's a great piece of advice i'm gonna throw it back to your mom here thanks guys
0: so before uh we close i just want to send this out to the world that uh i have two boys that i love uh, more than life itself and uh you know the whole world knows it. it's not like it's a secret but i'm so proud of ryan um he uh, he knows this, but I go to him for a lot. And when he told me at, uh, at 8 that he was going to be the man of the house, I took that seriously, and I still go to him for things. And uh, He's one of the strongest people I know, um, and I, uh, I rely on that. And I love him so much, and I'm very, very proud of him. He's going to be the best girl dad known to man. Yeah, I picked oh a
1: glimpse of how every dinner with our family ends this is this speech that mom is giving is <laughs> whatever every time a dinner ends we get <laughs> whatever this talk from whatever her. i enjoy it it's true i enjoy rob we i enjoy it. it
0: and um and and rob um you know i say that when he was in my arms he he changed he went from being one of the most self kid with most self-esteem to a kid that that really uh, went inside of himself for a bit and 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 was sad and anxious, and I look at it in him now, and he's creative, and he's motivated, and he's passionate, and um, God, he, there isn't an instrument he can't play. There isn't a song he can't sing. There isn't anything that he can't do, and to be a physician, um, I can't tell you how proud I am of him and his stick to um and his intelligence. Both of the boys are super intelligent. So I just want you it's all, to, oh, whatever. <laughs> <I> <laughs> um, got the I I think (laughs) you are both very smart. I I just, I just want the world to know how proud Randy and I are of our children. Um, I was really interested and moved by both of their answers to the questions throughout. I think the one thing that I think is better today than it was back in the 1990s, um, when Randy and I were diagnosed with cancer, is that more counseling is available these days, and the topic isn't, for the lack of a better term, taboo anymore. Um, or uncomfortable. It was very uncomfortable then, um, and it was, in in a sense, taboo. I have to say that the one regret that I do indeed have was not affording you guys the opportunity to participate or engage in counseling. Um, We just kept dad's diagnosis close to the vest because that is what people did back in those days, and he wanted to
1: keep it close to the vest, but at the same time, he was in the public eye. So it was really this weird balance of like wanting to keep things personal, but also having it play out so publicly.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, and I also thank God for Nana, and there isn't a day I don't. Um, she helped us keep our family together and keep that structure going for us. And I, I will say that I do think that close family is really important in helping to maintain a daily routine and keeping things as normal as possible. I think when family becomes disruptive in that process, then things need to be reevaluated. Uh, but overall, solid family foundation and counseling, I, I think, are really Good and important things for kids who are going through and dealing with the diagnosis of a parent with cancer. I want to thank you guys for sharing your input today. I think it's super beneficial. And in closing, you know what? This might have been one of the more difficult uh, podcasts for me to sit through, quite frankly. Um, But that's going to be it for today's cancer charity chat. Shaver Cancer Charity Chat. A special thank you to Office Centers for allowing us the privilege of using their studio here in St. Louis Park. A special thanks to Nick Bonacci for sharing his production skills with us. And until next time, remember what Randy always says, doing nothing in the fight against cancer is not an option. See you next time.